I naturally reset into this place where I eat foods that are what I was aspiring to eat all the time anyway, right? Like whole foods, fruits, veggies, nuts, like things that make me feel really good. But if I get a craving, which I do now very rarely, I just have it. And I don't feel weird about it at all. That's the thing. Before I would eat something and I would feel shame or I would feel pissed or I would feel some really intense emotion about food. A certain food would make me feel a certain way. And I didn't realize how much of that was still resonating inside my body. Just think about it. When you've done something for decades, subconsciously that pattern is there. You are wired to feel a certain way and to do certain things. So it takes a lot of unpacking to get rid of all of those layers. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. I have been an emotional eater since, gosh, for as long as I can remember. I grew up with food sort of being the only comfort in a tumultuous family, in a family with a lot of pain and anger and trauma around it in a place where I felt very unsafe at times, food was my friend. And food was a celebration. If something was good, if there was a holiday, if I did something in school, we celebrated with food. Food was also there if I was having a hard time or a bad day or I felt scared or alone or angry, I learned to stuff it down with Oreos or chips or fries or everything that was in the refrigerator. And when this was my coping mechanism as a little kid, it only got worse as I got older because I didn't understand any other way to cope. And when I got older, I could choose my own food and I eventually would grow up and get a job and now I control the money. So I really get to decide what I eat. And I learned to basically treat every big emotion with food. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about emotional eating and I want to talk about binge eating and the cycle that that has played in my life because I know many of you will understand and can identify with that. And I want to talk about it today because I 
have learned something in the last six months that has totally changed my relationship with food and therefore my life. And I am not overstating it, okay? Like, if you've been with me for a while, if you've listened to the show or you've read my books, then you've probably heard me talk about this. If you've come to conference, you have you know I devote an entire day to health and we talk about nutrition and I share all of the things that I've learned. But the beauty of this life is that if you keep evolving, if you keep reading, if you keep listening to teachers, if you keep looking for information, you will peel back the layers of the onion and keep uncovering things that help you become a better version of you. So here I am at 39 years old, and I feel like I've learned something that will change my life forever. And I want to share it with you guys because maybe it will change your life too. And what's crazy is it is the opposite. The absolute opposite of everything I ever believed about our relationship with food. Like the answer was not something I ever would have figured out if I hadn't kept looking. So that's what I want to talk about today. If I was going to dinner with my girlfriends, this is the conversation I would bring them. And that is the conversation that I want us to start with. Okay. So before I jump into this big discovery that I had, I want to first give you a little backstory on my relationship with emotional eating because I want to give you some context. I, like I mentioned at the top of the show, I grew up in a family where everyone was an emotional eater and many people still are because you will hold on to the coping mechanisms you learned as a child unless you are actively trying to shed them. So for me, I learned that food was a great source of making myself feel better and that it was available in the moment. That's the thing with coping mechanisms. We will choose always what is going to make us feel better the fastest. So I remember years ago, I was watching the Oprah show and it was, if any of you were also Oprah babies and saw all the episodes and you'll remember that whole like season where she had Bob Green, who was her personal trainer. And Bob Green was on the show all the time. And uh, I remember that Bob asked the audience, what is food to you? He said, food is dot, dot, dot. And at the time, I remember sitting with a group of friends and acquaintances, and I was telling them about the show. And I said, you know, he asked this question. And it's such a good question for all of us to ask ourselves, what is food? What does food represent to you? So I asked everybody at the table, like food is dot, dot, dot. What's your answer? And my answer is food is fun. Food is fun. At any moment I can eat something and it will make me feel better. It will make me feel happy. It's cause for celebration, right? If like something special, if I'm in a special place or I'm on vacation or it's a birthday, then I feel like food should be a totally different thing than it normally is because to me, food is a key to making an experience fun. And it was so interesting because sitting at the table was an acquaintance of mine who had struggled with an eating disorder her whole life. And when we got around the table, everyone was giving their answer. And some people said, you know, food is my friend and food is this and food is that. And it got to 
this woman and she said, food is the enemy. And sort of like made an explosion go off in my brain, like such a beautiful reminder for us as humans to understand how different our experiences are with the same thing. Remember, we don't see life as it actually is. We see life as we are. We see life through the lens of what we perceive to be true. So here I am thinking food is fun. And this woman who's struggled with it her whole life thinks food is the enemy. Your relationship with food is a core aspect of being human. In Maslow's hierarchy of human needs, food and water and air, that's right there at the foundation. So if your foundation as a human being is twisted, is broken, is hurt in some way, it doesn't matter how much therapy you go to. It doesn't matter how much work you're doing. If a foundational human need in your life is warped, it's always going to affect you. And it's going to affect the way you think about yourself and you love yourself and you're able to live and do and be. I should have said this right at the top, but the answer that I figured out is not a diet at all. And it's nothing you have to buy. It's not anything like that. This isn't leading to a big place where I like sell you a powder. This is a mindset shift that has totally changed my life. And I'm giving it to you today because I'm hoping that it will be helpful in changing yours. So yeah. So I learned to cope with food. And the older I got and the more stressed out I got, the worse that became. So I definitely still use food as something fun. But when I was a young mother, like I would say when my two oldest were toddlers, I really, really developed a bad habit of binge eating. And I'm I'm positive that I have had this habit my whole life, but I was more conscious of it as I became a mom because I would go on some kind of diet. I'm using air quotes. I would go on some kind of diet, whatever it was, right? Whatever was trending, whether it was Adkins or South Beach or, you know, I'm going to give up bread or I'm going to do this or, you know, uh, my guess is that 99% of you have also been in a situation where you're doing some kind of diet and, you know, things would be going well and I'd be doing really well. And then all of a sudden I'd have crazy stress. I'd encounter something. I'd feel bad. I'd feel whatever. And that coping mechanism that was still there, this ghost of childhood would rear its ugly head. And I would know that if I just would go to the kitchen and have some cake, have some crackers, have some chips, do something that I could make myself feel better. And oftentimes I would go to the kitchen and I would have the thing that I wanted. But now because it's like in my brain, I'm like, I'm doing something bad. Or I'm sort of sinning against my diet now I have this like crazy, okay, the you know, you fell off the wagon. Okay, just take a flying leap. So now I'm in the kitchen and I'm not having a snack anymore. Now I'm having everything. 
because I'm pissed at myself for, and I'm using air quotes again, I'm pissed at myself for making a mistake. So now I'm going to have everything that's in the pantry and I'm going to have all the food that I can find and I'm going to eat it as fast as I possibly can because it's almost like a race against time so that I'm experiencing the pleasure of the way this food tastes before it kicks in and it makes me sick to my stomach. Sometimes that one round of eating would be enough, right? I'd eat until I make myself sick and then I'd be done and I'd think, okay, you can start again tomorrow morning, start fresh, start back on the diet tomorrow morning. And sometimes I would binge, walk away from the kitchen and just feel such intense shame about what I had just done, feel like such a failure, feel like I can't believe that I still haven't gotten this down. I can't believe I was working so hard and it's all done. And I'd sit in the shame of that for a while and I'd go back to the kitchen and binge again. It's a really messed up habit loop that I experienced over and over and over again throughout my life. And I'm just betting that someone listening to this, maybe you, get that. Maybe for you, it's not food. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe for you, it's smoking. Maybe for you, it's something else. Anything that we're indulging in and coping with on that level can become this really negative habit loop. And I would experience it when I was stressed. I would experience it if I was in, let's say I had been doing really well on a diet or an eating plan or whatever I was working on at that time. And I'd go to my niece's birthday party and it'd be my favorite bakery. And I'd really want a piece of cake. And I'd be like, well, it's a special occasion. I'm going to have a piece of cake. But the second that I had that piece of cake, something would trip in my brain. And I would think, well, you, you screwed yourself. You messed it all up. So you may as well go ham. You may as well eat everything. It's like that old analogy, like, oh, you, one of your tires went flat on your car. And instead of just going, okay, the tire went flat, I'm going to fix the tire. You're like, oh, the tire went flat. I'm going to slash the other three, right? Like I did one thing, so I may as well go all. My, my attitude about dieting was like, it's all or it's nothing. I either have to be perfect, perfect, perfect. And that perfection is defined by whatever jacked up belief system I had around food or I'm not on any kind of plan and I'm eating whatever I want. And if I'm eating whatever I want, I'm eating twice as much as I need. Like it just, it was so warped. And over the last 10 years, I have worked on this so much. I've talked about it, taught on it. I've done podcasts about it. I mean, I've done a lot of work because I know that this is a huge issue and I don't want to live that way. And so I really have felt like I had come to a beautiful place in my relationship with food. I don't believe in, I'm using air quotes again, but I don't believe in diets. I respect whatever the heck you want to do in your life. And I know some people that are really into, you know, fill in the blank, right? Name a diet. They're really into it and it's really helped them. And I think that's amazing. My issue with diets as they exist in the world right now is that most people cannot stay on a diet. 
they're typically made to be short-term things where you might lose the weight that you want to lose, but eventually you can't stay on it forever and you go back in the other direction. And most of the time, if you're like me, not only do you go back in the other direction, but you probably gain more weight than you lost on the diet. I just, I think it's twisted and I don't think it's good for our bodies. And I think unless you have a plan, a nutritional plan that you can stay on for your whole life and that you can stay on in a way that is accomplishable for you, then you're just starting and stopping, starting and stopping. Every single time you stop or you fall off or you quit, it makes you judge yourself or get mad at yourself or feel shame about yourself. We don't tend to feel upset about the diet. We don't tend to think that the diet is wrong. We think that we're wrong because we have this like mythological creature like, oh, well, someone, you know, there must be people out there who can stay on this plan, right? So we blame ourselves instead of blaming the structure of diet culture. So I don't like a diet. If you like a diet, man, girl, boy, I'm not judging you. You do what you do. I'm just telling you what I have discovered. And what I have discovered is that any sort of system or plan that works to help with one area of your life but really makes you feel emotionally weaker, which is what diets were for me, it's like you cannot sacrifice one part of your health for another. That's not how health works. To be truly healthy, you have to be healthy 360 degrees. That means physically healthy, emotionally healthy, mentally healthy, spiritually healthy. It's a circle. It all has to work together. You cannot sacrifice one part of your health for another and think that it's all going to come out okay, right? So if you make yourself feel enough shame about the way you look to use that as leverage to push yourself onto a diet. And then that shame and that leverage allow you to lose 20 pounds. And you're thinking, oh, this is great. I lost 20 pounds. My body's so much healthier. No. Your health is every part of you. And if you had to sacrifice your emotional well-being to get to a physical state that you desired, you're not healthy. You might be thin, but that doesn't make you healthy. So it's looking at the whole thing, right? And I say all of that because this discovery for me is the easiest, most loving way to look at nutrition I have ever encountered. And I like, I sort of can't believe that everybody doesn't know this. Maybe you guys do. Maybe everybody knows this, but nobody told me. Because I definitely did not understand this piece and it blows my mind. Okay, so let's get into it because now officially I'm like the YouTubers who are like, I have an answer. This is not a YouTube. <laughs> Do you ever watch those videos where you're like trying to figure out how to like install a light bulb or whatever? And the YouTuber's like, yeah, I'm going to tell you about how to do it. But first, I'm going to give you the history of electricity. You're like, oh my God, please just get to the point. I'm getting to the point. I just felt like it was important to establish like all the emotional pieces, because for most people who struggle with their health, it's not, we didn't start struggling with our health yesterday. Everybody that I know who struggles with it has been struggling with this for decades. 
And so it's important to establish that if you feel like that, if you're like, I am so freaking tired of this because I have been dealing with it since I was 11. Yeah, you are not the only one. So here's what happened. I was interviewing someone for podcast. I was interviewing Kristen Ciccolini, who I've had twice on the show, and she's so great. And she's a nutritionist, and we talk about hormones a lot. And in that show, she was talking about intuitive eating. And I was like, hey, if people want to learn more about intuitive eating, I want to learn more about intuitive eating. What book should I read? And she was like, intuitive eating. It's an actual book. And forever, you guys, I had heard the term intuitive eating and I thought it was just terminology. Like I I thought that intuitive eating was being thoughtful and wise about the food that you put into your body. And it is to some extent like, oh, if I, you know, okay, here's an example. I love kale. Um, maybe one of like three people. I really love kale. I think it's delicious. And kale does not love me back. She does not love me back. She really... <laughs> She really uh, has a way with my body and it's not, it's not a nice way. She really upsets my stomach. Intuitive eating, I always thought was the awareness of like, okay, that food is going to make me feel bad. And so I'm not going to take it on board. It's a whole other thing, you guys. It's a whole other thing. It's a book by Evelyn Tribol and Elise Raish. And I hope I'm saying their last names right. So I get off this podcast with Kristen and I go immediately and buy the book because I, all I do is read nonfiction. I'm just constantly trying to learn and grow and become better and then, you know, apply and test things out in my life and see what works. And so I'm reading this book and I loved it. And guys, I honestly think that it, it should be required reading for human beings. If you have struggled with your health, with your your body image, your weight, your whatever. I think that you should get this book today. You're listening to this podcast. You should go get it today. It is just such a gentler way to think about food. And what I love is that they establish all of this backstory that makes you see Number one, like, okay, wow, lots of us are the same. Lots of us deal with the same things. But I was even able to see friends or my boyfriend or my children or different characteristics that people have around food that are unhealthy that I had never really thought before. Like, oh, that's actually, you know, this person's in great shape and they're doing these things, but they also are having too strong of an emotional reaction to not having it be exactly like they want it to be. Or they're going without food because they can't find the exact food that they want. Or, you know, think of bodybuilders, all respect and love to bodybuilders and what you're able to do. But at some point, the world will have a conversation about all of these men I know that women do it too, but specifically, I think that there's an untapped, unresolved, not talked about world of male bodybuilders who are have deep eating disorders and nobody's talking about it. 
they're eating, you know, a chicken breast and a exactly measured out cup full of oatmeal or whatever it is, and they get celebrated because their body looks amazing and they're doing this incredible thing. But nobody's talking about the fact that they're on an incredibly restrictive diet, that they're calorie counting everything, that they can't go outside of that or they feel like they're having a meltdown. Like that's an eating disorder. But we're not even ready as a society to have that conversation. So we'll stick with this one. The book was really helpful because it just sort of shined a light on behaviors that are unhealthy where it comes to food, but they do it in a way that is just so graceful. And here was the big couple of takeaways that really blew my mind. And you guys have to still get the book. I'm going to tell you my Cliff's Notes version, but there's, I mean, it's so packed with information and ideas and it talks about every sort of relationship with food. So I'm just telling you the the tips that helped with my particular style of binge eating and emotional eating. And um, here's what it is. Two things, two huge life-changing things. The first one, and this is like, it's hard to even believe. Okay, I sound so stupid, but I can't believe that this worked. Just, I want you to prepare yourself that what I'm about to say is the opposite of everything we have ever, ever been told about food. One of the rules for these women, they're nutritionists, one of their rules is there are no bad foods. No food is off limits. All food is in play. There's no such thing as bad food. Okay. This is freaking wild. Wild. And I, you know, like forever I would say like, oh, this is a cheat meal or this is like, it's cheat day or whatever. I, I did all sorts of things. I would test out all sorts of things over the years as I was learning and growing and evolving. And there would always be a handful of people that would get so pissed, like, don't call it a cheat meal. Don't call it, you know, don't, don't label food as bad and blah, blah, blah. And I'd get all this pushback, which I now can understand a different perspective for. I do think that um, everybody comes to things in their own time. So you getting super pissed at people on the internet and telling them to stop doing something <laughs> usually doesn't work. But I do understand the idea now about labeling something. If you're saying that something's a, quote, cheat meal, then it's implying that the food that's inside of it is wrong or bad. And this approach to nutrition says that no foods are bad. Now, as I was reading this chapter, I was like, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't you know, I try and eat a whole food diet. I try and approach food and make sure that I'm putting foods in my body that bless my body. And um, yes, I'm having dessert or I'm having queso or I'm having things on occasion, but it really, I didn't understand how much I needed to latch on to the idea of like, these foods are safe and these foods are just for every once in a while. And it was only my visceral response to the idea that no foods were bad that made me realize like, oh, dang, 
I do have some kind of emotional attachment to foods being good or bad. And if I'm having this kind of visceral response, if I am assuming already that they are absolutely wrong, that means that I need to look at this in myself instead of just denying it out of turn, right? So I was like, okay, whoa. So in order to do this, I would have to do a test for myself where no foods are bad. And the second rule, I'm not, there's like all, all sorts of rules and ideas, but the second sort of piece of advice or, or guideline that they give you is that you must honor your hunger, that you must honor your hunger, that if you feel hungry, you need to eat and that no foods are bad. Holy crap. Like everything that I have learned about nutrition in the last decade tells me that these two things are the opposite of true, right? Like intermittent fasting or not snacking or do we snack or just like all of the information that I have been given over the years and that I've tested out and tried is the opposite of what this book is saying. But I was like, you know what? I just, I I had this sort of, I don't know. I'm going to call it like inner knowing or intuition. I just felt called to try this. And I was like, I'm just going to see. I'm going to give myself a month and I'm going to see if I feel better. And so I set out to live my life where no foods were bad. And if I was hungry, I would eat. And at first, I'm not going to lie, this super freaked me out. The idea, and maybe if if you are already further advanced in your journey, maybe you're going to roll your eyes at this and just know that this was my journey and this is not really how I thought. So this was a hard thing for me. I remember the first time I went to, I was like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat something. And by the way, there's whole chapters in this book about how people have denied their hunger for so long, they don't even know when they're hungry right? They feel like irritated or they feel like their blood sugar's low or they can't focus or they have brain fog and they don't realize it's because they haven't eaten in five hours. So there's all sorts of things like whatever you're dealing with, it's in this book. But for me, I remember going to the fridge and okay, everything's in play and I wanted a sandwich, but I don't have sandwiches on Tuesday, right? Like I don't eat bread in the middle of the week. Oh, that sounds like, I, as I'm saying, I'm like, yeah, that sounds a little nuts. But I do try and eat, or I was trying to eat very, just like greens and protein and fruits and veggies, all of those things during the week, which is awesome. But here's the thing. And here's what helped me to understand that this was something I wanted to try. In the book, it's like, how often do you eat in a certain way, in a way that you perceive to be good? And then for whatever reason, whether it's stress or you're treating yourself or you're celebrating, you decide that you're going to have something that's on like the bad food list. You're going to have cake or you're going to have chips or you're going to have beer or whatever. And when that happens, when you have one thing, what do you do? And for me, if I had one thing, I was going to go crazy, right? Like I was going to eat all of it. That's why I love the idea of cheat meal or 
for a minute I tried cheat days and that was years ago and that really messed me up because I would just go like um, Tim Ferriss does that where he eats a certain way during the week and then he has one day a week where he's allowed to just go crazy. And I tried that and it made me feel like absolute garbage. But what I was doing and I didn't realize it was every time I was having something that was in, indulgent or on a bad food list, I would have like 10 times as much as I would in a regular meal. And it was saying they had done all these studies that showed that people were taking in way more and they were eating way more than they ever would because in their brain, it was something taboo. And then they went back even further and did all the psychology of like those of us who were raised to be good girls, right? Or good boys, or we were supposed to follow the rules or we're supposed to, so that when we do something that feels a little bit naughty, we go all in on the naughtiness. And then it almost becomes the eating in those situations or the binging in those situations almost becomes this defiance. Have you ever experienced that where you're like, F this, right? Or like, screw these people or like, I don't even care. It's almost like you're eating in defiance or you're like pissed off at the previous version of yourself who put you on this eating plan in the first place. Whatever it is, whatever emotions are bubbling up, it pushes you way over the edge. So that they found that when people just took away this idea that any food was bad, it actually, like they naturally lost a ton of water weight. They lost a ton of inflammation. They lost a ton because they weren't regularly doing these crazy binges. So I thought, dang, if I could just allow myself to have whatever I'm craving in the moment, because literally they're like, you want to eat? a chocolate cake, eat chocolate cake. You want to eat nachos, eat nachos. Because what they discovered was when no foods are bad, what you will learn to do is to eat what you're craving. And when you're done with the craving, which usually happens in like four or five bites, you just stop. And you're totally satisfied and you're totally satiated and you don't need to binge. So y'all, this utterly like blew my mind. And the first time I went to the fridge and I was like, I want a sandwich. It was so hard because I found myself for probably two weeks. And I'm glad I didn't say, oh, I'm going to try this for a week. I'm glad I was like, I'm going to try this for a month. Because for two weeks, I totally unconsciously was, okay, I'm going to have a sandwich. But then I was realizing I'm going to make half a turkey sandwich and I won't put any cheese on it and I won't put any mayonnaise on it. Like I was having something that was no bad foods, but I was making it in a way that was diet culture. So I tried this and I struggled for the first couple of weeks and I definitely had a little bit of a hard time because my boyfriend's on a pretty specific eating plan and I had weird feelings about like, oh, if he, if I'm craving pasta, but he's eating salmon and broccolini and I'm really craving pasta, but my whole thing is that I'm supposed to honor my hunger and I'm supposed to honor this craving. I, I had, so it just like took me a minute to figure it out, but I am, oh, several months into this process now. And um, I'm, guys, it's, it's really wild. I 
cannot believe what it said in the book is true, which is that most people at first when they try this, they struggle to sort of remove the stigma that they have about certain foods. Then kind of the second phase is that they maybe go a little too far in the other direction, but eventually they even out and that's where the intuitive eating comes because now you honor your hunger and no foods are bad. You naturally choose foods that are going to be good for your body. So I naturally reset into this place where I eat foods that are what I was aspiring to eat all the time anyway, right? Like whole foods, fruits, veggies, nuts, like things that make me feel really good. But if I get a craving, which I do now very rarely, I just have it. And I don't feel weird about it at all. That's the thing. Before I would eat something and I would feel shame or I would feel pissed or I would feel some really intense emotion about food. A certain food would make me feel a certain way. And I didn't realize how much of that was still resonating inside my body. Just think about it. When you've done something for decades, subconsciously that pattern is there. You are wired to feel a certain way and to do certain things. So it takes a lot of unpacking to get rid of all of those layers. But what I'm blown away by I am blown away by how I feel. I'm blown away. Like, this is not the point, but I'm just going to say it because it's real. Like, if we were if we were friends and we're sitting, I would t- I'm blown away by the way I look. I'm blown away by my body. I'm not on a diet. I am not doing anything to, like, have the lightness in my being that I've always wanted. I'm eating... Whenever I'm hungry, I'm eating amazing foods. I'm having so much fun cooking because all of a sudden, you know, if for any of you who are cooks like I am, we get excited about trying new dishes, but you'll see stuff and you're like, well, you know, I can't eat that or I have to eat that on a special occasion or no, no, I don't. I'm going to make that thing and I'm going to have one taco instead of seven. It's pretty wild. Honestly, no bad foods honoring your hunger. And this process, when I eventually sort of reset and it kind of all evened out and I felt good, I don't have to think about it anymore. It means that I naturally, I just naturally, I don't eat as much food. I don't eat as much food. I stop eating when I'm full. And I definitely had tried that in the past. Like I've had for sure, times where I'm like, okay, be conscious of stopping your eating before you're full. But I had to really think about it. And it was like really part of my overall plan. Now I don't even think about it. I eat slower. I eat with more intention. I savor the food more. It's delicious. And the things that I already knew were not good for my system, by allowing myself to have everything, I just have naturally removed those things. Like, I just, you know, I love it. I love cheese so much. You guys probably heard me talk about this for years. I love dairy. I love, it doesn't love me back. Cheese never going to love me back. And so I just have to stop. And I don't reach for it anymore because I'm so much more naturally intentional about what I put in my body based on trying this thing. 
if we were going to dinner right now, this is what I would tell you guys. I would tell you to go buy the book because it's so helpful and you can't just buy it. You actually have to read it. And when you're reading it, you're going to be like, oh, that'll never work. It's wild. And I love it because it's like such a beautiful way of approaching your health. It's approaching your health with love and with grace and with the intention to make yourself feel good. I've been talking about this for years that, you know, in the U.S., we approach, I'm using air quotes again, we say that to be healthy is to be thin. We say that to be healthy is about how you look. I think that to be healthy is about how you feel. That's why you have to approach it from every single part of yourself. But what's very interesting to me is that when you start to release this baggage, when you start to release the emotional toxicity you have around food and nutrition, that weight that you've been holding on to lets go. I love Louise Hay. If you guys haven't read Louise Hay, um, specifically, there's a book called You Can Heal Your Life. It's, God, I think it sold like 25 million copies or something. It's an older book. But I love that book. And I love it when she talks about that oftentimes we carry weight as a form of protection. That when we feel unsafe, or maybe when we were little, we learned to hold on to that weight as a form of protection. And I just resonate with that so deeply. And we get to a place where we're at war with ourselves and we're at war with our bodies and we're at war with food and we feel confused. I do think part of the reason that this has been so helpful for me is I don't think about it anymore. How much freaking time do you spend thinking about food or thinking about the right thing to eat or thinking about the wrong thing that you ate? How much time and energy and focus do you give to not eating the right thing? Maybe you're better than I am, man. I thought about that a lot. I realize now how much psychic energy, I mean, like not psychic, like I can see the future, but like psychically holding space for what I was eating and what my body looked like and was I bloated and did I have inflammation and now I feel shame like holy crap those things are removed from my life by doing something that feels like the opposite of what can actually work if you've never tried this before just just try I, I don't know anybody else who's done it honestly other than the examples that they give in the book so I don't know. I don't know if it'll work for you, but it absolutely worked for me and it continues to work for me. And I am feeling so good. And I, I mean, just for the very thought of not thinking about food or not thinking about my body anymore, that's worth a gajillion dollars to me. <laughs> I mean, not like nobody's actually backing a truck up filled with a gajillion dollars, but just Oh my gosh, what a happier life. What a happier life. Give it a try. That's like, we're girlfriends and we're having dinner. This is the thing I want to tell you. Intuitive eating and those two ideas. Honor your hunger and no bad food. Because if you honor your hunger, your body learns to trust you. Let me say it again. If you honor your hunger 
your body learns to trust you. If you've been on and off of yo-yo diets your whole life, your body can't trust you. Your body does not trust that you are going to feed it. Think about that. Like, do you ever feel like, wow, I've, I've been really eating great foods and I don't know, like I just am holding so much water weight. My body's holding on to so much and I don't understand why it's not releasing. Well, it's not releasing because your body doesn't trust that it's going to eat again. Think about it. Remember this idea of our body holds on to things as a form of protection. So when you have digestive issues, right? When you hold on, it's like your body doesn't eliminate the way that it's supposed to because it's very unsure. When you honor your hunger, you trust yourself. You trust you to take care of you. On the most basic human level, we have to eat. And if that relationship is hurt, warped, broken, you're never going to be whole. It's a healing journey. My whole adult life is just one long healing journey to learn how to do better, to learn how to love myself better and to show up better in this world. And it's funny how some of the most fundamental core human things can have the most profound effect on everything else. Give this one a try, guys. And let me know what you think. Let me know if it works. Let me know if you've read the book, if you've tried this, like, oh my gosh, please let me know. Uh, You can call the hotline. The number is in the show notes. I would love to hear how this goes for you and if it has had as big effect on your life as it's had for me. I never in a million years would have believed this would work. But now in retrospect, of course it does. Of course, loving ourselves and taking better care of ourselves and acting with grace to ourselves was always going to be the solution for the next phase of healing. I'll be back next week with another episode, guys. I hope this was helpful for you. And until we chat again, I'm Rachel and I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.